head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe mma podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 265 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. Shawnee Scorecards, a.k.a. Pod God, Shawnee Podcast, whatever you want to call me. Join today by the Daenerys Targaryen of Irish media, Graham MacDonald, as we have a little bit of a different podcast today, as we're recording this part before the Calvio versus I card, and we'll record the last 10-15 minutes or so, reviewing the card at the end, so I'll pop back on at fucking 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever it is, uh, so we can do it then. You should add to your, your Shawnee nicknames, uh, Shawnee, if you don't agree with my decision, you're either an idiot or you don't understand the rules. <laughs> Right, but like, would the people, would the idiot part be needed? Just take it, just just take it, just take it. Why why are you attacking me like this at the very start of the podcast, Greg? Why is there any need for it? Why not? Why not? Actually, John Anik there about an hour ago tweeted out, uh, he tweeted out like something about 10-8 and judging and stuff, and who do you tag? Sean Sheehan, that's it. The fucking judging god. Judging expert, Yeah. in quotation marks, expert. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to Vin Cartlidge so much, I kind of know something. That's all I am, really. But uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, actually, no. Now that we started this and everyone's listening to this on Sunday morning, there probably was some big fucking robbery or something, and I'll probably have to talk about it loads. But sure, hopefully not. Anyway, one, you know, actually, kind of brings us into what we were going to talk about. Obviously, Calvio versus I. We'll we'll get to that later on in the podcast, obviously. But uh, Jessica, you missed weight during the weekend. Looked really, really bad. I know it's something we haven't talked about a lot. Uh, in the last while, we've talked about it loads on the podcast over a while, and I've had lots of thoughts and stuff. But you know, we mentioned judging there. You know, we looked at we looked at judging so much in this podcast. We talk about it weekly, all the time, and weight cutting is something which we talk about only when it kind of pops up. You know, only when someone misses weight or someone looks terrible on the uh, on the scale. But it's a, an issue like all the time. Like judging judging is an issue which you can debate about. You can go back and forth. Maybe some people don't understand it or whatever. But weight cutting is a thing unless. You know, unless you're Alexander Gustafsson to go up and got up and fighting at heavyweight, or maybe even someone like a Gunnar Nelson fighting a 170, you know, people, some people don't struggle for it. But a lot of time, it feels like everyone is struggling to make weight all the time. Now, some people can make it perfectly healthy all the time, but like most people, I would say, and maybe you disagree with me, Graham. Maybe people listening, maybe maybe I'm misinformed, but I don't think I am. Like it feels like everyone is cutting water to get down to to a weigh-in. Like, and it's a point I've like I've made before that. Yeah, and someone tweeted at me yesterday, like, Cristiano Ronaldo was playing for Juventus last night. Imagine well, if 24 uh, hours before he had to cut loads of water and then go in and perform at his absolute best. It's it's a, it's a such a weird thing. Uh, like, on the face of it, okay, we'll get into what it is and, and everything. But on the face of it, weight cutting is such just an odd concept, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I suppose, you know, um, through, like, college wrestling and stuff, people get conditioned to it. And if you walk into an MMA gym and you, they say, you say, oh, I weigh... 190 or something they look at you they say ah you could probably be 155 170 and you kind of go towards that mm-hmm. and it's just kind of automatic like that it seems um we have seen a few exceptions where guys just kind of fight at their natural ish weight but uh it's definitely the 
the rarity like uh it's just that a strength advantage and that people seem to be afraid to to not have yeah like i i know we've talked about it before and i've suggested things that maybe they could do and like i'm no expert on it and like the 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 big problem with this is as well right i I want to throw suggestions here and throw out ideas but i look at what i've talked about with judging and i see people all the time throwing out suggestions and ideas um and i like uh (laughs) and i look at them and like say right you don't understand the actual problem at at the start but i think this is like a little bit of a different issue like i don't know the solutions but i think everyone like including people the people who who you know mike dolce and george lockhart and whoever else it might be getting people down to it i'm sure those people would rather say like i'm sure george lockhart he, he's working with conor mcgregor i'm sure he way rather conor mcgregor say at 170 than 145 you know you can work your nutrition your magic a lot better and get your fighter conditioned a lot better to get to that way rather than just getting them struggling down the it so like i think those are the sort of people who we need to hear from in this and give us solutions to get out of this and give us solutions to bring the fighters out of this like it, it's the people whose jobs wouldn't be need, really needed as no, much would, help. No, but they'd still be needed. Like, would do you not think they'd be needed? I think they would. Well, like you might need them for less time, so you might need them for fight week instead of a month. You know, to come live with you or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, maybe maybe that is a thing. But I I don't know what the solution is. But like I feel right. So so the problem with judging, if we talk to judges and we listen to judges and we listen to people who know the judging system, I think we can get a better idea of it than it is. But like this, it feels like, and that was the kind of point I was going to make with this. Doesn't it doesn't really feel like anyone is talking about it or anyone is talking about the solutions or anyone is talking about the issues or the good things with it? You know, do these guys even agree on nutrition? Like it's a bit of bro science. Like you know what I mean? It's it's kind of it's evolving all the time it's changing it's not really it's not really a proper science i don't really know like if, if you ask probably lockhart and dolce and all these guys well what's the best thing to do two years ago and what's the best thing to do now they probably have a different answer yeah that is true but like is nutrition and weight cutting like the the same thing like i, I think they go hand in hand because the same people kind of do it and obviously you have to have good nutrition to get down to be able to cut to a certain weight uh and obviously as i said they go hand in hand but like I think nutrition would be needed regardless. But maybe that's that's kind of off topic. But like, the, the just the the point of fucking weight cutting, like the, this dragging your body down, especially during the pandemic as well. You know, I tweeted before any of the events that maybe we'd be we'd be better off if um, if we made more catchweights and things like that. And especially in a fight like this, which is you know basically kind of a pointless fight. There's there's no belt on the lines, not number one contender or anything. It would have been absolutely no problem, I don't think, for either of these two people if it was a hundred and thirty pound fight instead of a hundred and twenty five pound fight. Like and my, like my my solution would be, and I don't know if it's a good solution or not, but have Sean Shelby um and Mick Maynard decide what weight class a fighter fights at and then they don't have to make a weight the day before, but they do have to weigh in and to see what weight they're at. So if someone comes in for a 155 fight and they're 200 pounds, next time they're fighting at fucking 170 or they're fighting a middleweight or whatever, you know, maybe, you know, or maybe if they come in way too much over, they're not loud fight or something like that. You know, it's, don't do it in, in a certain, you know, in a way where, um, the fighters are deciding. The fighters are deciding to go down where Frankie Edgar decides to go down to one thirty-five. Like I, I feel there's a better way. I, like I know my, that might cause issues, and it probably does cause issues as well. But I, I just hate weight cutting the way it is. I re- like it really annoys me. And I think I think we've talked about it so much, and I've kind of given out about it so much. And I've I like I just want someone to come up with a, with a solution to it, and I don't feel it's there. Um, 
it's it, like it's one of those things that keeps just dragging on and on and on. And you know, we've said it before, and I, loads of people have said it before. It's going to take a, a very serious injury or maybe even a death for, to to fix it. And I know they've happened before, but outside of the UFC, but one FC have tried to do things. You know, people have talked about um, day of wins. I don't think any of those things are going to work. I think the only thing that's going to work is no weight cutting. We fight at our natural weights, but it's that's well, very hard to believe. The, how has the one FC thing been going? Has there been any kind of incidents? I haven't really been paying yeah. full that much attention to to one FC. Yeah, I I haven't either. But everyone I've kind of read and listened to who has been paying attention to one FC says. That it's like the thing about One FC is they lie a lot. <laughs> I don't think that's any secret. Allegedly, I don't think that's any secret. The UFC don't. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that as well in a second. But yeah, I just feel yeah. Well, like One FCs, I don't think it has been a roaring success anyway. Let's put it that way. But I'd love to see a solution. It's it's one of those things. Odd. It's so frustrating to me because at least. We don't, like with other parts of the game, we can maybe see ways out of them. Or like even with the with the pandemic, we we can talk about what they need to do to get better, and they've done lots of those things to get better. We talk about fighter pay. What can the fighters do to get better? We can see those way forward. They don't do it, but we can see the ways at least. With weight cutting, it's I, I find it hard. Like the ways I'm bringing up that I'm suggesting, I know there's things wrong with them, and I know people listening to this, if they have suggestions, I could probably find ways wrong with them. Other people could find ways wrong. I like it just. It's a very, it's a very, very hard situation, and the situation which we're in now, I don't know, is it the best situation we have? Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe we have to keep going like this, but it's not going to end well. I'm afraid, it's just not. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to do really, and I don't know what to say about it. But we have to say something about it because maybe there, maybe there's someone smarter out there who knows about these things and who can come together and suggest it to you, obviously, and find a way out of it. But, well, like you know. know, as you said, it's going to take a serious incident to to change it. Like you know, uh, main eventer in this event, you know, says she can't stand uh, after missing weight, not even making weight, and nobody really, you know, and maybe there's a little bit of a talk about it for a day or two, but then it just goes away. Uh, it'll just go away, like it always does, in my opinion. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You you mentioned there about the UFC line. I was I was. I bring this up actually because uh, there was lots of people tweeting about it yesterday. So Dana White said last week basically that um, Conor McGregor turned down the fight uh, against Tony Ferguson when Habib was out injured, uh, and then he said then that was reported around. So he he didn't say that exactly, but he said Conor McGregor didn't want to be a replacement fighter, right? So then he came out the next day. Someone asked him about it, and. He, uh, I'll, I'll just say what he said first someone asked him about it and he said um that was never the way it was that it wasn't that i said he wouldn't be uh he wouldn't replace habib it's that uh he at the very start he refused to be a replacement fighter so like he basically said and a zombie prophet i think put up the the video of it where he said mcgregor uh, habib went out and mcgregor refused to take the fight even though obviously it was during the middle of the fucking pandemic and ireland he couldn't have got out of the country anyway um, so it feel it like it feels to me like that Dana said that. Then he probably got a text saying, "What the fuck are you saying?" And then he rolled back in it straight away because it was an immediate rollback. Like maybe it's just he's he has bad memory or something, or maybe he's just a liar, which is probably, or maybe he's just mad at Conor McGregor in, for retirement. In, in, in not being believable, shocker. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, like, you, like, you know, maybe people who follow Zombie Prophet on Twitter or whatever, or you, me, will will see that Dana's lying, but other people won't. But, you know, uh, being a replacement fighter, does that mean, does that mean you just kind of wait and if one of them falls out, then you come in or, like... I don't know. Like, well, had, had Connor not said all along, I know obviously the pandemic might have changed it, but Dana's point was the 
the, the opposite way. Like, had Connor not said all along that I want to get my fight in against Cowboy, I want to do my season, but I'll be ready for the Habib versus Tony if one of them Yeah, he said, he said, I think he said in an interview to her, he said somewhere that uh, he didn't think Tony Habib was going to happen because it hadn't happened so many times in the past and he was going to be ready. So, yeah, uh, obviously the pandemic and the the lockdown and Connor was a big supporter of the the lockdown and release videos, encouraging people to to respect it and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, I think that just changed everything. Yeah, but that, that flies in the face of Dana White. Like if Dana White said he wouldn't couldn't take the fight because it was in a pandemic, fair enough. I think everyone would agree with that. Connor and us and everyone. But the fact that he said. No, it wasn't actually he refused to take the fight. It was that he refused to be a replacement fighter right back at the start. But that's not true at all. <laughs> McGregor said the exact opposite. Like, he said, he no, he may, maybe in private it was differently, but in public, the whole time it was that if one of those gets injured, and he said they would get injured multiple times, that he'd be ready to step in. So, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it feels like Dan White is just trying to roll back as much as he can. And why, uh, you know, while kind of play, placating to McGregor a little bit, maybe, and while uh, while trying to not make himself look incorrect, but yeah, as you said, probably we don't understand it. The people listening this will understand it. The people on following Zombie Prophet, but who else? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's an issue. But however, what, what's your update now? Do you think uh, do you think Conor McGregor will fight again after? Uh, it's about eight days since retired. I'm like, you know, every MMA retirement, I always immediately say, this one's, this is not going to happen. I think Cahill Pendred was the one where I was like, God, oh, this is actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I've never believed him. And until, until, like, until people start retiring and staying retired, I, I won't believe them. Yeah. That, yeah. Me neither. <laughs> we, we, like, it's not the first time Conor McGregor has retired. I know we talked about it uh, last week. So uh, we won't, we won't, uh, we won't dwell on it too long. But I suppose since, since last week, and we'll talk about Fight Island in a second, but there have been a few fights announced. So, Cameron Usman versus uh, Gilbert Burns was announced for that Fight Island card in UFC 251. Um, so, that means Masvidal is not getting that fight. Um, there's big talks of Habib versus Gaethje fighting as well, maybe UFC 253, maybe around, maybe a bit later even, but there's, there was rumors of that this week. Yeah. August, is it? I don't know, later in the year anyway. So, like, with that said, what does McGregor do then? Like, he's, there was talks of the Usman fight, obviously, from Ali Abdelaziz, probably none of it from McGregor's side, but obviously he wanted to fight Gaethje. He said in that interview he did with Ariel, he like, I'm sure he'd fly at the chance to fight Habib. Uh, Tony's going to be out now for a while, so that's another option gone. But there is Masvidal, there is Diaz. Like, what do you think the option would be if McGregor was, was fighting? Now, like, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago, and like, there was lots of options there. But with the fights that are kind of being made now, the options are gone down maybe a little bit. So what do you think? Well, like, if Habib and, or Habib and um, Justin are going to fight in September, like Justin said on the Joe Rogan podcast, is, is what they're looking for, both of them, and their manager is the same manager. So, like, they kind of hold all the cards there a bit. Like, they can kind of decide what they what they want to do by the, on the face of things. So, yeah, it depends on this pandemic. Like, when is when is everything going to be back to normal? People able to fly back into America mm-hmm. freely. Uh, you know, people out in the streets protesting and rioting and all that other stuff is maybe going to bring like a second wave that might slow things down, or maybe it won't. Like, we just got to wait and see what happens. But like, you know, September is a long way away. Like, either one of them could get injured, and uh, you know, everything could change again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, it's interesting. Like. 
I'm still of the mind, and I'm probably in not in agreement with everyone, but I think McGregor should take someone like a Pettis and work his way back in and then take a bigger fight afterwards, whether that's Habib or uh, even a Masvidal at 170 or whatever. But um, I don't know. Like uh, That would be my opinion, but if, if that's not what he wants to do and he wants to take a bigger fight before getting a title fight... I think he, I think Diaz is probably the right choice now. I wouldn't like that Masvidal fight. Like, how much does that Masvidal fight really do for McGregor? Like, he's fighting at one seventy against probably the like the second most dangerous guy in the well, not for McGregor maybe, but uh, well, like, like if he beats like, if he beats Masvidal, it definitely does a lot for him now. Yeah, but what what does it do? Like, it gets him a title shot. He's a title shot right now. Masvidal said last week he Connor could fight him for the title. So like, what's he earning out of Usman, it? Usman, you mean? Or what did I say? Yeah, Usman. Yeah, Usman yeah. literally called out McGregor. So. I don't know. Yeah, well, like you know, uh, like, it just it just seems like you know uh, a fifty-five fight would be the best option. But if if there's no if like you know if Diaz isn't there or the UC don't want to do that yet, then Masvidal, like you know, that would be that would be a big. You could make you could like you know make a really good promo and you could you could sell that fight. You probably do. Oh, it's hard to know with the new ESPN, but that could probably do a lot a lot of pay per views. So mm-hmm. but you wouldn't be all that surprised if. If uh, if UFC did that, like yeah, interesting. We'll I suppose we'll see what happens with McGregor, but I think might might be the time now for for the DS fight. But we'll uh, we'll see. What? I don't know. I, I think they're gonna wait with that. Like, and yeah. Diaz is notoriously hard to uh, to pin down to actually sign and agree yeah, something. If, so if it's a McGregor fight, though, I'd, I'd say it'll be a bit easier. I know you want to. This is the biggest. This is my last guaranteed huge payday of my career. Yeah, like you know, 100%, what I mean? yeah. So interesting. Uh, what did you like? To me, I, I thought the most interesting thing of this last. Well, maybe not the most interesting thing, but one of many was Ariel Sweeten. After I think it was the day after that, uh, Gilbert Burns versus Usman was made, um, and the whole thing obviously had been Masvidal was the next line. Everyone knew that, and there was rows over money and things. He tweeted about it, but Ariel tweeted out like at the eleventh hour, they offered him the same amount of money he got to fight Nate Diaz, uh, to fight Usman, which beforehand was the thing he was kind of giving out about obviously maybe he wanted more money again but he was saying that they weren't offering him as much money as he got to fight Diaz to fight Usman uh, in a, obviously a very a much harder fight I thought that was very interesting like I, I don't know what Masvidal's thinking is now not to take the fight when he gets the pay rise like okay fair enough you're waiting for the pay rise you want to get that big money now if I'm advising Masvidal and I'm a realist. I'm probably saying, yeah, you're probably right. You know, <laughs> maybe wait off and you might get the Diaz fight again. It'll be uh, uh, more money if you get pay per view. If you get the McGregor fight, it's even more again. Yeah, you get the Diaz fight again and you win again. Let's just say, and then mm-hmm. you know you could get the Conor fight. It just keeps your op- a lot of options. Like, and you know, there wasn't really that much controversy in the <laughs> in the the Diaz fight, but you can sell it as. You know, uh, Diaz was fourth and fifth. You know, he's known for it, and you know, you can you can definitely sell it. And the Diaz, the Diaz people will definitely buy it. Yeah, one hundred percent. And the Usman fight, like that's might might not be Masvidal's la- last big fight, but it could be. Like he's he's a guy who's only been a draw for a couple of months, realistically, or a couple of fights anyway. Um, and he's always been a good fighter. Everyone knows him. He's always been maybe an underground fan favorite, but he like. I don't think he has it built up in a, in such a way where it's going to last, if you know what I mean. Like, he hasn't it built in such a way where McGregor has, like, diehard fans for the rest of his life or where everyone knows, like, how good John Jones is and things like that. So I think that 
if he's thinking the way I think he might be thinking or if his management is thinking, it's, you know, it's probably smart. He's probably better off taking the Diaz fight, which is a much easier fight for maybe the same money or more money. Then he'll have that Usman fight again if he wants to straight after that. Or he might have a McGregor fight, which will be bigger than anything he'll ever get. So, Or Usman loses to Gilbert, Bur- Gilbert Burns and Masvidal gets yeah. Gilbert Burns. What, what do you think of that fight? I, like, I don't think it's a particularly competitive fight, although Gilbert Burns has been good the last one. Gilbert, Gilbert Burns looks way better at this weight and has been improving, but maybe it's a little bit early. Like, maybe, but, like, you know, he he is very well-rounded now. He isn't just a grappler. Like, he definitely showed that. Um, and, yeah, Tyron Woodley looked a bit rusty and old, but maybe it was maybe it was Gilbert Burns just did, did that to him. Maybe, maybe that was, you know, a pr- pretty high-standard, version of of woodley and we just don't know yet so there's definitely you know uh he has ways to win definitely has ways to win but you'd, you'd make us a big favorite yeah i would too like it's not particularly a fight i'm hugely looking forward to but that card is fantastic you know volkanovsky versus holloway too yan versus aldo which we spoke about last week you have andraj versus nam yunus too and uh Hebas versus van zant as well so lots of good fights uh on that before we get to the whole Fight Island thing, we, I know we talked about Aldo versus uh, Jan last week. We talked about Rebas versus Van Zant as well. What about this Volkanovski versus Holloway too? Like I, myself and Andy talked a little bit about it on the the podcast we did over on Patreon during the week or over on YouTube as well. It's there. Um, I like to me personally. I think this might have been a uh, time to let this rest a little bit. Like let the Holloway versus Volkanovski rematch come down the line a little bit. Give Volkanovski another title fight against someone as another up-and-comer. I see they've announced, well, there's uh, there's a report today that uh, Magomed Sharapov is fighting uh, Rodriguez. Like, him versus Volkanovski, I think, would have been a, a great fight. Maybe have Rodriguez versus Max Holloway or someone else, you know, even someone like a Qatar who we see fighting this weekend or someone like that fighting Max Holloway. Build that fight up again and have it in six months' time or a year's time. Like, do you, do you think it's the right time to re- make the rematch or do, do you think they could have built it up again? Um, I don't really have strong feelings either way, which is probably a sign that maybe it's yeah. not the right time. But I don't know if it's if it's ever going to be that exciting. Yeah, like uh, the thing about that division is right. I feel like Max Holloway, he, he will be the biggest draw in that division for a long time to come. I think. Like, I don't see anyone on the way up. That's like Megamed Sharapov is a fantastic fighter. Yeah, Rodriguez, I like him a lot. I like, I love a lot of fighters, and you know, it's probably one of my favorite divisions when it gets going. And it hasn't really been recently, but I feel like Max Holloway is a guy people know. You know, he's kind of been talked about around McGregor, and obviously when he fought Aldo and he got the, the rub off Aldo. And he's in exciting bit. fights as well, yeah. like, you know, in fairness to him, like, he's never in boring fights. It's just, is it going to really sell? Are people going to be really excited about it? Probably not, but it probably will be. A, technical very good fight to watch so yeah it doesn't really matter to me when they make it uh they don't really have that many options so yeah why not i suppose yeah uh, yeah i suppose it's a good fight anyway i'm looking forward to seeing it again i think after we after we watched that first fight we said there is ways max holloway can change things up and come back so maybe it's the case of max holloway wins and there's a third fight but i'd, I'd favor volkanovsky again in you know history if history tells us anything it's that the guy who wins the first time usually wins the second time again, especially when it's kind of an up-and-comer against a guy who might just be towards the end of his prime. Like, Max Holloway's still young and all, but he's been around a long, long time. And uh, he's, you know, had a lot of fights, a lot of hard fights. So it's uh, And as you said, in some exciting fights as well. And he's had that thing last year as well where he had the... Um, 
the concussion kind of issue and stuff as well. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting time for Max Holloway to see where he goes. Like, Max Holloway is one of these fighters where we have seen Max Holloway's kind of rise through the UFC. You know, we saw him coming in as, you know, a toddler, <laughs> realistically, in the UFC. This kind of young guy, you know, like a Rory McDonald. We saw him as well. Some, like, this is kind of the first real era, I think, of this, where it's very young guys coming in through the UFC. And we see him coming through all the way and becoming like an elite a modern day MMA athlete and on the way down again we kind of seem that maybe a little bit Rory McDonald but we still maybe not there 100% yet but I think it's very interesting to see Max Holloway over the, and I hope you know I'm, I'm not saying Max Holloway's done or anything but I hope over maybe the next 10 years we see Max Holloway and the way he kind of finishes out his career because I think that's very interesting for people to kind of look at and see right in front of their eyes on the biggest stage and maybe it'll teach us a few things about how you know fighters how their career goes, you know, because sometimes that's a thing that we don't see very, very well, like in terms of building them up and on their way down. So it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But what, what were your thoughts on uh, on Fight Island, like this fucking Fight Peninsula? It's it like like Yaz Island. Okay, if people haven't heard, they announced Fight Island's going to be in Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. There's going to be four events in the space of about three weeks or so. Um, obviously this big UFC 251 card is going to be there and there's going to be a couple more cards after it as well Graham what, what are your thoughts like there was so many wolf tickets sold here by the UFC it's unbelievable it's like it's not an island it's just like it's just like a part of a country that's not even sticking out a bit it's just they like cut off a bit of earth to make it look like a fucking island call it nine there's like a Ferrari world there and like they sold us that it's going to be on the beach like, there's going to be an octagon on the beach. They just sold us fucking tiki torches and lads going around in fucking uh, grass skirts and stuff like that. What? This is bullshit, isn't it? Wolf tickets. Well, yeah, well, like, it never even excited me in the first place. Like, uh, <laughs> and it definitely doesn't now. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if people actually... Like, so I think Dana was the most excited person in the world about the whole thing. Uh, I didn't see too many other people excited. And uh, people, yeah, people aren't excited now. I'm very excited about it. I, like, I was all for the Fight Island thing, even in the middle of the fucking the pandemic and the madness and all. I was mad up for it. I, I want to see this. I want to see him fighting in the fucking... I know we've seen it before. Was it? Do you actually, though? Do you actually yeah, though? I do, really? yeah. Be, be do you actually, oh, yeah. yeah, I do, yeah. No, you're not. Yeah, you're not know, just like, yeah, just, for me, it's just who's fighting who. I don't care about uh, if it's if it's on a, a fake island or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> you fucking misery got to say, <laughs> Be a bit of fun. I actually think we need to bring more fun back into MMA. We are like we don't have enough of it. Like this, but when there is weird things, like you know, remember uh, UC two hundred, the, the golden canvas that was yeah. like off putting to watch. Like it was hard sure. to to concentrate or something. <laughs> it was so off putting. I don't know. If, like I prefer when it's just. It usually is like in a arena with a with a roof. <laughs> <laughs> a roof, yeah, a roof would be handy, all right. But uh, maybe they, maybe they will fall on the beach. Dana White is still maintaining they're putting on the beach, but they send out pictures, and there was one picture of literally just a UFC fucking octagon alongside the water, so that's hardly going to happen. But then there was another one with, like, a covering over it, so I don't know. Like, when I'm saying fun stuff, like, McGregor versus Anderson, we know we talked about it on the, the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Like, something fun like that, even though maybe not, okay. But then Pettis versus Anderson. Like, you could understand them not putting McGregor into that fight because he's the big draw and they want to put him towards the title and the Habib fight and everything like that. But, like, why not Pettis versus Anderson? Pettis has well, done Pettis what he's going to do. Pettis just went, you know, 29, 28. People, some people thought Cerrone won. Some people thought Pettis won. So it doesn't really do much, I suppose. No one will remember know. that when that fight comes up, though. They'll just say UFC lightweight champion against UFC middleweight champion meeting at a catchweight or whatever. I think it'd be fun. 
Yeah, it would do okay, but I think the Masvidal kind of <clears throat> fight would be a lot bigger. You know, I don't know it's a different uh, division, but uh, you know, uh, um, it doesn't really matter. Well, <laughs> okay, I suppose. Uh, and then before we get to maybe next week's card for a second, which is a, a better card than this week's card, but like you know, but but, the Pettis fight, like I actually like you know have mm-hmm. thought about that like before. It was suggested a lot like years and years ago, and it would be a oh, good no, fight. No, 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 I was, I was, uh, we got mixed up there. I was talking about Pettis versus Anderson. Anderson and Pettis are together. Oh, sorry, each other. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. Okay, no, no, no. I was wondering what you were saying there. I was like, "What the? What's gonna?" But yeah, I like McGregor. All of those guys just have a triple threat match between them three lads. But yeah, Pettis. I think Pettis called out Anderson this week, and then Anderson accepted it. Like I've, I think the Anderson versus Pettis fight would be pretty exciting. Yeah, that's very confusing actually because I said lightweight champion versus middleweight champion, and that could have been McGregor versus Anderson as well. So yeah, we got a. Uh, we got mixed up, but sure, look, anyway. Um, what do you think it is, Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic three fight? Like, it's a fight that's been a long time in the making, I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm, like, I'm pretty excited about it. I was asking a few people during the week what they think and how they think it'll go. I find it hard to, I find it hard to kind of analyse. What do you think? Well, everybody's, like, second favourite trilogy fight for Daniel Cormier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But, like, it's probably definitely going to happen at some stage. Which think will happen first? Camozzi versus Jackeray 3 or John Jones versus DC 3? It's only three, is it? Fuck, yeah. I know. It seems like about five. <laughs> Seriously, like, I'm not even joking. Um, Camozzi needs yeah, that fight. Yeah, I think Jones, 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 Jones and DC. Yeah, probably will. Uh, well, yeah, like, I, I I don't know. I feel like the the first thing I think of is that Stipe will beat him this time again, uh, because I feel like Stipe came into that second fight a little bit lacking in confidence after getting knocked out. You know, how could you blame him in the first fight? And then his confidence kind of grew throughout the fight. He saw that big opening. I think um, it was Jack Slack who talked about it in his uh, video he did about uh, Corey Sanding where he kind of saw the opening and he attacked the body. But I, I like the thing about this fight, right? DC in that fight, and he's talked about it loads of times since he's he looks a bit overweight you know he looks a bit not completely in shape when he got down to 205 or 206.2 or whatever it was as well he looked in in better shape and he always went the five rounds well or went late well anyway whenever he went there um he's getting older you know he's what is he nearly 42 now he said he was going to retire at 40 and that was a long time ago so it's is it would you agree that all the points are are all the uh the good points anyway are pointing towards steeper yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a tough fight to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cormier kind of was dominating, not dominating, but he was doing doing what he wanted to do and got overconfident in the last fight and kind of dropped his hands and marched forward into a into a huge shot. I know it's that's kind of simplifying it a bit and it was a nice shot. It was obviously a nice shot from Stipe and all that. He timed it, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, I think I'll probably have to go with Cormier. Would you? Interesting. I, I'll, yeah, I must watch a bit little more. I, I feel like this is one of those fights where maybe you pick on fight week to see how uh, to see how Cormier is looking if he's looking in fantastic shape. Like, yeah. I think, he does have knockout power himself as well, Cormier. Like does, you know, yeah. um, and and the pressure he puts on, he's able to take good damage. But like uh, obviously, he at heavyweight guys like Stipe hit very hard. And, <clears throat> All it takes is is a, is a one mistake, but you could kind of see it coming in the last one. You could see that this was a dangerous tactic that he was using, and uh, especially against a heavyweight with a lot of power. And if he does something like that again, he probably gets slapped again. But I can see him being, you know, he's 
his team and him are very good game planners and he uh, I, I actually be pretty strong towards towards Cormier in this one interesting we, we, and that's obviously a good bit away so we'll uh We'll see how that goes. Right, let's uh, do a quick preview of this card before I throw it over to myself to, to review the I versus Cavio card. So it's like a pretty good card from uh, from bottom to top in this. Um, the opening fight is Joe Selecki versus Austin Hubbard. Then you have Roxanne Mataferi, former champion uh, or uh, title challenger, champion of the world title challenger against Ireland's own Lauren Murphy. That could be deciding the next title challenger at one. 125 amazing um matt frivola uh versus frank camacho if courtney casey against jillian robertson i like both of them i think that'll be a good fight um oscar pachota's back here we've tisha torres is fighting and what should he get his fight clay guida versus bobby green that should be just funny yeah, shit. I was, I was gonna say that stands out like definitely bobby green you know even when he's losing badly on the feet he's encouraging people to punch him in the face yeah. and trash talking <laughs> them clay guida will be very happy with that i'd say so that's definitely a fight to watch out for yeah. the the co-main event as well is another one i'm looking forward to emmett and burgos yeah it'll tell us a lot about where both of them are um besides that it's not a great card really on yeah, paper anyway it's, I think it's alright it's not a, I, I think maybe because it's coming after the one tonight and maybe the one tonight wasn't the best card of all time but on paper I think this one is, is significantly better but still not great I was watch, actually watching some Shane Burgos fights uh, earlier on uh, and especially his fight against Amir Khan like Burgos is a guy who's look he's all the skills he's a very skilled fighter but he's also one of these guys that will just fucking bite down his mouthpiece and kind of throw hands which is uh, a dangerous tactic when you're fighting someone like Josh Emmett, you know, who we've seen Josh Emmett kind of lose fights and then just fucking spark lads. Like, he knocked out Amir Said Bektic, he knocked out Michael Johnson, he knocked out Ricardo Lamas in that famous knockout, one of the knockouts of the fucking year. It was a beautiful knockout. Um, so that's a dangerous game to play maybe against someone like that, but, you know, I, um, Emmett's coming off of those two wins against uh, Bektic and... Uh, and Michael Johnson, whereas Shane Burgos, you know, is, is on a bit of a run as well, where he has beaten Macwell Americani, as I mentioned, Cubs Wanton, a split decision, Cartalaba only lost to Calvin Cater before that. So I, I like I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's a it's a very good fight. Also, before we maybe get to the main event, Jim Jim Miller versus Roosevelt Roberts. Jim Miller still sticking in there like Roosevelt Roberts, the thirty second president of the United States of America. He only fought like two weeks ago. So he's on his way back. Lyman good after he failed the test for coronavirus, unfortunately, but looks like he's good. He's back here against Bilal Mohammed, which is a tough fight to come back for. Bilal Mohammed, a good, good up and come. Well, maybe not up and comer anymore. He's probably contending early now at this stage, well, maybe not a welterweight because such a good division. But interesting to see if that goes three rounds, how much, you know, just having coronavirus would take out of you, take out of your lungs, getting into the, the third round when you've, uh, you know, when you have. Um, when you have someone like Bilal Mohammed pushing you non-stop and seeing if your cardio is still the same. Now, I don't know how badly he suffered with it or anything, so maybe it make no difference, but I think that's an interesting thing. Uh, Raquel Pennington against uh, Marion Renault. That's a good fight as well, like Raquel Pennington, former uh, title challenger as well. Six... Oh, do you see my, my useless fact of the day today? Raquel Pennington, six fights for the UFC, six wins by decision, six losses by decision, six fights uh, inside the distance, ranked number six in the world. All sixes for Raquel Pennington, so betting this to... And, you gave, and I saw somebody replied, you gave uh, six statistics about... Six, uh, I did, and six letters in the name Raquel. And actually, oh, she fought... This was, I actually kind of cheated on this one. She fought six people 
who are former UFC champ or six UFC champions at bantamweight. She actually fought seven, but she missed weight once, so technically it was six. But she's like Raquel Pennington has fought a lot of tough people. She's fought um, Holly Holm twice. She fought Jermaine Durandamy. She's fought Misha Tate. She fought uh, Amanda Nunes. She fought Jessica Andrade twice as well, I think. So she's a lot of hard names. She might not have the best record in the world, but she's a good fighter, Raquel Pennington. And Marion Renault as well. Uh, is someone who kind of needs a couple of big wins like this to, to move her forward. She's kind of in the in the dying embers maybe of her career at 42 years of age. Okay, she didn't maybe start until later on, but she lost to Katzengana, Yannick Kunitskaya in her last two after beating Sarah McMahon and the best win of her career. But, you know, for someone who's maybe started now, when is it, 2010, I'm just looking here. So, uh, yeah, she'd want to be getting that big win now in her career for someone at her age and everything like that. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think Curtis Blades versus Volkov. I think it's a very interesting fight because Blades is so... Like, a while back, I probably would have picked Volkov to win this. I think maybe just his ability to kind of jab and his takedown defense against... He used to fighting against kind of wrestlers as well uh, at, uh, at heavyweight. Uh, he might have been able to kind of jab him up and stay away from him. But I think the improvements that Curtis Blades has made over the years to put striking with his wrestling uh obviously tko win over junior de santos in his last beat my boy shammy before that he's only two losses in his career to francis in and like who doesn't lose to him but he beat over him beat mark hunt beat olenic he's up there i think undoubtedly top five heavyweight in the world um whereas volkov Volkov maybe now at this stage he's on the way career. down as well yeah. yeah I don't know if he's on the way down per se but I don't know if he'd get up as <laughs> I don't know if he's ceiling as high as uh, as Blades is but like like if you look okay he lost to Derek Lewis but other than that he beat Hardy in his last fight but Verdum Struve Nelson Timothy Johnson Attila Vey okay you go back further than that he, but he, he, he didn't look good in that Greg Hardy fight at all no, like even, yeah. what, what people were expecting what I was expecting and what happened were very different um yeah, he won, but I think uh, maybe it was just a bad day at the office, but if he comes out looking at anything like that, he's going to get smoked there. Yeah, and do you think he will get smoked there? Do you think Blades will just do to be Yeah, <clears throat> Yeah, I think he'll get knocked out early or, uh, yeah, probably get knocked out in the, in the first couple of rounds. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting, actually, because if he, like, if Blades does go on defeat with him, and like, it's a, it's a fight that I wouldn't a hundred percent think Blades is a hundred percent going to win, but I think he might. I think he probably will, like, but um, it, I wouldn't be surprised if Volkov did was able to jab him up and was able to beat him. Maybe Blades with... can just kind of push him up against a cage and pull his. If he has to, he can make it a dirty fight. And Volkov's not very good at all on the ground. Yeah, but when you're big and tall and you're good technically. And if you can use this well and be tactically good, that's that goes a lot a long way in heavyweight. And I suppose maybe this is a different guy because he's not like the slow cumbersome heavyweight you're used to fighting. Um, but yeah, I, I'd agree as well. Blades, I think Blades will win, but I think it will be. Uh, uh, I think it it isn't for sure to go that way, but I think it should be fun. Um, just reading a couple bits of news here as well before we uh, we I send it over to Shawnee. Uh, Junior DeSantis versus Jarzino Rosenstruck. That should be an absolute banger. I like that fight a lot. Um, Felice Herrig is coming back as well after being out for around two years. She's fighting Virna Janderoba. Uh, Ian Kutalaba is coming back to fight Magomed Ankalov. Um, and uh, a few more things are happening as well. So that's it, Graham. Thank you very much. I really, uh, I really appreciate you being here with me to talk about this. I hope you will have a good day and a good night and a good week and a good weekend. And here is Sean Sheehan to tell you about what happened in Sintony Calvillo versus Jessica I. Take it away, Shani. Thank you very much, Sean. Very, uh, very good evening to you. How are you? How are you all there? You all good? You all 
uh, tucked up in bed this, <laughs> this fine Sunday morning. I hope you are at this stage. But uh, yeah, the fights were pretty good. You know, as we we talked about there, it came in coming into the fight. Uh, card we kind of talked it down a little bit. It wasn't great on uh, on paper, and it it went over and above that. I think it was pretty good. Obviously, you know the the level of fights in it and the level of movement that those fights made were obviously as low coming out as they were coming in um so nothing really has changed apart from maybe Cynthia Calvillo going up to 125 putting herself uh you know in the mix with a great win over Jessica I thought it was completely dominant altogether she was just you could see I think very early on she was just the better fighter I thought in the first round um this I, I looked at the stats actually after or well during the fight because I'd never look at them myself but they actually said that Cavio landed more strikes which was uh, I, you could never believe those stats anyway but I, I thought it was going to be a case of I landing the more strikes and um people thinking she won the round but uh, Calvillo landed a much cleaner strikes. I thought she let her strikes were just way better. Seemed to have way more of an effect. Were landing, you you know. Sometimes you can just see strikes where, you know, you ever see in soccer where someone lands a volley, and it's like, oh, it's sweet, just a sweet strike. That was Calvillo's punches landing. She was just landing one twos right down the middle. The left hand was landing non-stop all the time. You could see Ig being hurt by him like all the time, over and over and over again. And none of Ig's shots were really hurting Calvillo. And you think like you think it'd be the other way around with someone coming up to one twenty-five uh, after being down at one fifteen against a big one twenty-five who's fought at uh, one thirty-five before. But no, Calvillo was just faster, more powerful, better all the way around. I thought the scorecards actually were pretty kind to Jessica I know there were a couple of close rounds in fairness so these are not complete you know they're not horrendous scorecards or anything like that but I thought it was 50-45 to, to Sitting Carvio even with it close to a 10-8 in the second uh, I don't think 50-44 would have been out of the question so when there's a 48-47 the other way around even in close rounds you know it's a bit odd but yeah I think the 49-46 is I, I got through the rounds like and that first round, as I mentioned there, I thought I maybe landed more, although the uh, the um, stats might disagree with me. But Calvillo was landing better, cleaner shots. In the second, it's the very same at the start again. Uh, Calvillo just landed a much cleaner shot. I landed very little at the start of the second, and Calvillo got a takedown halfway through it, took the back, and just kind of rode it out from there on the back. Uh, close to a 10-8, but I think there was about maybe a minute after she took the ba- back and she kind of had was moving from, from kind of two hooks into the body triangle, uh, and she was adjusting her position rather than attacking and landing with strikes and I think that maybe played against her and didn't get her to 10-8 there uh so you know she was going for the end of the fight rather than um immediately impactful shots or immediately um uh, you know attacking submissions if you want to put it that way uh so borderline 10 but but nothing uh but not I don't think and the third just landed way better again like I thought it was around the third round that you could see that I had no answers for her, you know, there was just, there was nothing really coming back, uh, and everything that was being thrown was being missed, you know, it was one of those fights, you know, you see it a lot in, in MMA, where there's, you know, one fighter is just landing everything, and the other fighter is landing nothing, you know, and it seems, and I know that's not, you know, obviously both of them landed, and both of them missed, but 
all the better work was all Calvillo. I, I just thought she absolutely schooled her throughout this fight, to be honest. And the fourth round, takedown, but there was not really much there. I landed some good shots. Uh, that was the closest round. If you've given that round to I, I wouldn't go against it. But I thought in the last 45 seconds, Calvillo landed some nice strikes. Um, she landed clean, hard strikes towards the, the end of the round. I thought she did enough to take it. Um, and in the fifth, again, I came out and she was throwing a lot and she was trying hard. But Calvillo just too quick, too too powerful, just way, way better than her, I thought. Just cleaner, better work the whole way through. Now, like <laughs> maybe on, you know, thinking back and looking back at it, there was... There was a couple of close rounds, but like this is this is one of the rounds where you know are one of the fights where if let's say I had one and she had just nabbed it or something, it would have made judging look very, very bad in terms of the system because it was it was just such a schooling like I would have been a travesty if she'd lost, but she didn't lose and she won you know four one and two cards, so it's you know I'm I'm sure there will be a bit of cribbing and crawling about the judging, but I didn't think there was a. a I didn't think the the wrong person won anyway, so it wasn't too bad. Uh, with that, look, Calvillo puts herself right in the mix, I think. Um, you beat Jessica I, who I believe at the moment is ranked number one in the 125 pounds women's division. Um, Caitlin Chukagan called her out there. Did Calvillo. Uh, Joanne Calderwood is just behind Chukagan. She's fighting Valentina Shashinko, it looks like, coming up. So, you know, she's right in the mix next week. Lauren Murphy, Roxanne Metaferi, that's number five versus number six, as we mentioned earlier on in the podcast. Um, so Calvillo's right in the mix, you know, she's right in there. So, you know, people behind her, Montella de la Rosa, I think she's fighting next week, is she, or is it, I don't know if it's her or, I, I heard of de la Rosa earlier, I know, maybe it's her husband. But, um, yeah, that should be, uh, oh no, her husband fought tonight, what am I going, I got mad. <laughs> It's it's now half five in the morning, so leave me alone, please. But uh, yeah, right in the mix, right up there. Um, let me go from the bottom up, and we we'll get to the. Actually, I'll go for for Robertson Vittori first. Um, good fight, you know. Vittori, I thought he came out, and he looked not not aggressive, but aggressive in a like a clean way. You know, he it wasn't as if all the build up and all the shit talk and all he came out and he was over trying his shots or anything like that it was the exact opposite i thought thought he looked very good um carl robertson didn't have the answer for him you robertson has a very odd body type <laughs> it's just a weird thing to say but i just feel like vittori used his size and his reach a little bit better and was jabbing him up and when he did get the the fight to the ground he was just way better on uh, on the ground and got the submission. Robertson did a good job of escaping with like the short time escape. I think someone called it at one stage, which was very good. But other than that, uh, I thought Vittori uh, Vittori did very very well. Then to open up the card, um, I was very impressed with uh, Christian Aguilar against Anthony Ivy. Landed a lovely right hook standing. Then he landed a standing hammerfish. Uh, hammerfish? <laughs> God almighty. Uh, hammerfist, which looked to be maybe to the side, to the back of the head maybe. But when you're moving and in like that, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, so you can't complain about that. Um, and then he got a nice, lovely, smooth finish. Only 59 seconds in. The first three fights of the night were exactly what we wanted. 59 seconds, 32 seconds, 22 seconds. Um, and I, poor Paul Felder <laughs> and Brendan Fitzgerald had to close up so much time. They had to kill time. It was it was unbelievable. In the second fight, Tyson Nam knocked out Zaru Adeshev. Brilliant pronunciation there. 
you know, shades of Ali Bagatina, shades of uh, Eduardo Dantas back in the, the day, just absolutely bulldozed him right down through the middle, right hand, knocked him clean out, magnificent knockout again. Like Tyson Nam, I, t- I feel like Tyson Nam is one of these guys who the hardcore fans who've been watching for eight or nine years or ten years maybe remember that one fight and are like can he do it again and he can most of the time (laughs) but then this comes out and he just fucking just sleeps a guy like he slept him i think um i think it was uh spencer kite tweeted that uh adeshev was sitting in his seat about two minutes after the knockout and he asked is the fight still going on that's how much of a knockout it was like you know it was brutal brutal knockout absolutely decimated uh, Adeshev so Tyson Nam you know he's someone who he's like he's not the best fighter in the world but when you have that blistering power and that ability to land it at any like he could beat anyone in the world Nam, Nam could like he literally could he, could he had that sort of power and the ability to land it you know, he nine times out of ten, he'll probably beat him. But that one time, he will land that shot and knock you out. So, and like, not everyone will beat him nine times out of ten. But you know what I mean. Um, so um, very good. Um, then Julia Avia, I thought she was very, very good as well. Um, she landed a nice knee and got the KO right after to win that in twenty-two seconds. So there wasn't much to talk about there. Uh, Mirab Dereshvili fought Gustavo Lopez and broke his own record for takedowns. Which, like, is that the best record in the world to be breaking? Like, the more takedowns you have, the less time you're, you know, spinning on top. The less damage you're doing uh, on top, the less you can hold them down. Like, you know, is that, is that the best record in the world? Okay, maybe if you're taking someone down and pushing them against the cage and beating them up that way. And he is a bit like that. In fairness so but yeah i don't know i think that's like a i think that's a converse kind of record one maybe that you don't want to have i think i actually who was a chill son i saw talking about that recently um so yeah it's it's not the best record in the world but he's a a fascinating fighter a different sort of fighter uh, he's called out sean o'malley and if i was the ufc i would run 100 miles from that fight because you don't want sean o'malley fighting Dira, uh fighting Mirab Divashvili. you just do not want that fight uh, so yeah, I was very, very, very impressed with Maria Agapova. Looked brilliant. Came in here, took Hannah Cyphers apart. Uh, beautiful one-two down the middle, and a head kick came after it. And it was a sort of head kick that you land, and you look back at it, and they showed in the replay two or three times, and you'd say only a good fighter lands that sort of head kick. You know, it was like. It was like a wonder by head kick or do you remember that head kick Donald Cerrone landed on Rick Story? One of those where it's it's not just like a thrown head kick, it's one that comes after a one two and it's picked. So very, very good. Very, very impressed uh with Agapova. This was at hundred and twenty five pounds. Um against Hannah Cyphers who fought recently as well, you know, and she and I you know, I'm talking about the, the head kick, she actually jumped on her back and got the rear naked choke after that, so you know, it shows she can do it everywhere. So very, very good performance then. Um, after that, Jordan Espinosa beast aforementioned Mark De La Rosa. Um, and then I'll get to the Andre Feely fight in a second. But Charles Rose up and on a good display. Close fight with uh, with Kevin Aguilar. So good to see him getting a win. I think Charles Rosa is a guy a lot of people have a lot of respect for. And he's a very good fighter. But the Andre Feely-Charles Jordan fight, very, very close, I think. Um... I scored a 29-28 Jordan, but I wouldn't mind it going the other way. You know, it was one of those. I thought the first round, definitely Jordan. He got a knockdown. Uh, it was a close round other than that, but the most immediately impactful shot, as you know, as we always talk about, uh, that was there. 
So he won that round. The second round, I thought Feely landed better strikes. Very close, though. Very, very close. But I did think Feely landed better. Uh, in the third, I thought Jordan landed the slightly better uh, strikes. Feely got a late takedown, though. Um, landed a few shots from it. So, like, the takedown alone isn't going to win you the round. But those three or four shots that he landed, he did the same at the end of the second, I think, uh, in a close round. And I think the second, he actually landed more. So it was better uh, in terms of taking the round for him. In the third, not as much, so I just gave it to Jordan, but it was one of those rounds where, you know, if you're a judge sitting inside it and you saw a big shot that Feely landed or a big shot that Jordan landed, you could get it, give it to the other one. You see it's a split decision, 29-28, so very close all the way through. Um and uh, a good a good fight. I always like seeing Andre Feely fighting, and uh, lots of good fights in this card. Obviously, uh, did I get everything? I think I did. Yeah. Um, any negative points? I wouldn't say. The, well, the only negative point was Dana White was sitting cage side the whole time, with uh, no mask on. So the Nevada said Athletic Commission seemed to have given up on that and the protocol that they were implementing for the UFC, basically. Uh, so that's very unfortunate. Um, other than that, and also, uh, Divish Fili fought Gustavo Lopez. Lopez coming in on short notice, which I don't think short notice fighters should be coming in in the middle of a pandemic when you don't have enough time to test them multiple times. Like, I just really don't think that's safe now. Um, but you know, we've seen it now, and we're going to probably continue to see it, so that's very unfortunate. Um, and yeah, other than that, good, very good f- card. Um, lots of very good fights, and uh, yeah. I feel like there's something else. I feel like there's something I'm uh, I'm uh, missing out on. That I can't remember. Oh, Billy Eilish. Just guy walked out to Billy Eilish. That was very good. Um, and yeah, uh, a couple of questions here. We have one from Coleman over on Twitter. I bet that Valentina could beat any two from the division on her own while they fought as a tag team. Uh, would Pershwari Wan work on French toast? Oh, Pershwari oh, Nan is lovely. Where was I? Where did he? Did he talk? Heard me talking about Pershwari Nan? Pershwari Nan is French toast. Oh fuck that! I mean, I did some of that now. But yeah, if if you've never had Pershwari Nan, get it. I think they have it in Tesco. Uh, it's an Indian, um, obviously a Nan bread. I got it for the first time when I was over in Glasgow, and I'm like, oh my god, and I love it so much. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, I think Valentina, like Valentina, is just streets ahead of everyone. I named out lots of contenders in the division uh, earlier on, so it's just it, it's just she's a, a level above them. Uh, Metal detector promotion. Assuming that Cejudo fights Ryan Garcia and wins. Okay, does that make him the combat sports goat? Not the MMA goat, but the combat sports goat. Well, if he was to fight Ryan Garcia in boxing and beat him, I think it would. Actually, I was thinking, someone put out the other day, I think it was a boxer who put out, um, name your top 10 um, mainstream boxers. And I was thinking about it, right? If, like, you could name name a few now, but you could name... Okay, let's, let's name a couple. Anthony Joshua, uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder... Where are, we go- where are we going after that, like? <laughs> Lamachinko, yeah, he's probably up there. But, like, do non-hardcore people know Lamachinko? Like, MMA fans do, because he's kind of connected to MMA a little bit. Um, You know, you're talking about Mayweather, Pacquiao after that. Guys have been around for a long time. Like, I I'd consider myself a boxing fan. Or, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe a little bit more than a casual. I could name, if you want to know, I could name Dillian White and a few more boxers, obviously, like, but... There isn't really that many star boxers right now, is there? You know, there isn't really, like, okay, there's Canelo and, and Triple G and things, but, like, <laughs> there's there's a few, but I don't, like, I, I remember talking to my friends one, not too long ago, like, two years ago, maybe, right? And uh, 
do you know what it was? It was the no, it was just before one of the Canelo Triple G fights, and I was like, who do you think will win, Triple G Canelo or what? And they were like, who are they? They didn't know they were like they literally didn't know. And these lads would be big sports fans, like listen to the like off the ball or talk sport or whatever it would be, and you know what would obviously have a little bit of an interest in MMA because of me and uh, you know and watch listen to sports podcasts and watch soccer and hurling and football and all that and they didn't know who these lads were and these like are the guys you probably name straight away as the biggest stars in the sport which is very interesting like and that's a like aside from MMA doesn't have many either but boxing is a little bit different where boxing always kind of had a lot or a good few anyway now it doesn't I don't think I don't think there's many like maybe because of the heavyweight those three heavyweights now have put themselves up there because of what's been happening um but you know, it's it's an interesting one. <laughs> the the publicity, obviously, with the whole Daniel Kinahan thing this week with that Tyson Fury uh, Anthony Joshua fight has backfired badly. I think uh, for him, uh, with the Irish media, obviously, uh, Kieran Cunningham doing a great job over in the Star, and they're refusing to cover the fight. Uh, and now the UK journalists coming on. I saw Dan Ron from the BBC talking about it as well. So that's very interesting to see, like how they cover that and see how boxing kind of deals with that. So. It's uh, I think it's I don't know how we got into boxing, but it's it's an interesting time for for boxing anyway, and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see how it goes. Right, um, okay, that's that for me. Thanks everyone for listening. Patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast Q and A will be out on Tuesday more than likely. Uh, the rewatch this week is geez, I wonder what the rewatch is. Hold on, let's find out what it is. So I'm doing at the moment. I'm doing like the top ten. Or the top, sorry, top 25 greatest fights of all time. And if you sign up now, if you're not a Patreon already, uh, and you sign up now, you'll be able to, to listen to the whole lot of them. So I'm on number nine this week. So last week I did uh, Mark Hunt versus Bigfoot Silva. One was the rewatch that I did. Um, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This week it will be... Like, I've done some great fights. I've done... Um, I've done a few old Paria fights. I've done a few old Gaethje fights uh, and things like that. Did Matt Hughes versus BJ Payne. And this week it is going to be... Da, 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 da. Matt Hughes versus Frank Trigg 2. One of my personal favourite fights ever. What a fight that is. So, yeah, if you're signing up for Patreon, that'll be up uh, Thursday morning. Right, everyone. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you all next time. Good luck. <laughs>